0: Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett with SBBC, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Growing in Grace. Thank you again for joining us, and we pray that God blesses you through our study. With our time today, we're going to be continuing our journey with Paul. As we have discussed before, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial before Nero. While under a watchful eye of his own personal guard, he commits his time to preaching and writing letters that we call epistles. Now the first two of these epistles that we looked at were that of Ephesians and Colossians. We saw that the church at Ephesus was a large one in a booming city, contrasted by the one in Colossae, which was a tiny little church in a tiny dying city. We are going to follow this trend and go from a letter written to a large church to a letter written to a small church, and now today we're going to be looking at a letter that was written to a single person, a man by the name of Philemon. If you have been reading along with us, then you may have noticed that a common theme through these books is that of grace and forgiveness in Christ. These were and have always been foundational in our faith, going back to the very author of our faith, Christ himself. Paul saw the importance of these and therefore intertwines them into all of his letters. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 32, Paul writes, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Again, he goes on in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, where he tells us, We are to be bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive one another. These two letters are connected to Philemon by more than just theme. Philemon was likely converted by Paul himself in Ephesus, and according to the opening verses of Philemon, he was a leader in the Colossian church, which met in part in his own home. As I mentioned before, this is a small letter compared especially to most of the other New Testament books. However, don't let its size trick you. This book holds an amazing amount of weight that has become timeless and invaluable to the church and every believer since it was written. The letter to Philemon, although written personally to Philemon himself, was intended to be read aloud to the entire Colossian church, and as was common in that day, was also meant to be circulated to the surrounding churches. Paul has a very clear lesson that he is teaching here, and it is meant to be applied and passed on. The book revolves around the relationship of two men, that of Philemon and his runaway slave named Onesimus. According to Paul's letter, evidently Onesimus had stolen from his master Philemon and ran away from home, hoping to find sanctuary and a new life, maybe even a new identity, in the city of Rome. In a wonderful example of God's humor and sovereignty, Onesimus runs into none other than Paul himself. Undoubtedly, Onesimus was attempting to disappear and start a new life, but God had bigger plans, and when he met Paul... He came face to face with the transforming power of the gospel. Paul quickly grew to love this runaway slave and longed to keep Onesimus in Rome with him because he had become helpful to him. Not only in being able to navigate the city of Rome while he was under house arrest, but spiritually, he became a source of edification. This love and support became invaluable to Paul during his imprisonment. But by stealing and running away from Philemon, Onesimus had both broken Roman law and defrauded his master. Paul knew those issues had to be dealt with and decided to send Onesimus back to Colossae. It was too hazardous for him to make the trip alone because of the danger of slave catchers in that day, so Paul sent him back with a man named Tychicus, who was returning to Colossae himself to deliver the letter of Colossians. On top of violating the Roman law of the day, He had also wronged a brother in Christ, and this was a spiritual issue that Paul absolutely sought to remedy from his position as a pastor, leader, and friend. Therefore, along with Onesimus, Paul sent Philemon this beautiful and personal letter urging him, not commanding him, to forgive Onesimus and welcome him back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Now, as many commentators and scholars have discussed, Philemon provides valuable historical insights into the early church's relationship to the institution of slavery. Slavery was widespread in the Roman Empire. According to some estimates, slaves constituted one third or perhaps up to a half of the population. This was an accepted and normal part of Roman and Greek life. In Paul's day, slavery had virtually eclipsed free labor Thankfully, by the time the New Testament was written, the general stigma and treatment of slaves had drastically improved because owners realized that a slave that was content was one that did consistent and quality work. Slaves could be and often became doctors, musicians, teachers, artists, librarians, accountants, soldiers, and many more. Almost all kinds of jobs were filled by slaves. Despite this improvement, however, from the Biblical point of view, slavery has been and always will be a fundamentally evil and condemned practice. The Bible is clear that there is no difference in worth from one human life to the next, and all are equal and no person has the right to own another. We were all paid for with the blood of Christ. That being said, the imagery of slavery is one that is used throughout Scripture even to describe Jesus himself in Philippians 2.7. This is designed to describe the relationship between us and God and the price that was paid for us to rescue us from the slavery of sin. So how do you approach and change an institution that is so widespread, so seeped in politics, and so overwhelming? Well, for Paul, the answer was simple. You allow the transforming power of the gospel— and the Holy Spirit to change the hearts of those who practice it. In doing this, the New Testament church, with the gospel in hand, showed masters that these slaves were worth just as much to Christ as they were, and that they should be adopted and grafted into their families as the Father in heaven adopted and grafted all of us into His family through Christ. This impacted the Roman world heavily over the centuries, and the Holy Spirit, through Paul, used the relationship of these two men as a living example of the power of forgiveness in the gospel. Now that we have a handle on the context surrounding this book, it's easy to see that at its core, it's about what it truly looks like to be a disciple and make disciples for Christ. If you remember in the closing chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus gave us what is now known as the Great Commission, telling us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He also expands on a practical level how we as believers should operate in a fallen world. As we mentioned before, the reality of Paul's day was that slavery was a fundamental part of the economy and culture. Thankfully, here in the United States and in the 21st century, we move farther and farther away from the practice of slavery. We fought to abolish it here in our own country, and by the grace of God, we succeeded. Interestingly, Paul calls our attention away from the temporary and helps us to focus on something that is timeless. The sin of betrayal and the destructive nature of an unforgiving heart. I want you to think of the last person who really wronged you. Maybe a family member or a friend who deliberately took advantage of your trust and love. And when you think of them, what do you feel? What emotions come to mind? Anger, sadness, hatred, betrayal? These emotional scars and the pain that causes them continue to complicate and destroy relationships time and again. We have seen it in our own personal lives, we have seen it in the church, we have seen it in our families, we have seen it time and again, and this is something that unfortunately the world has no remedy for. Thankfully, Paul, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, delicately and lovingly navigates this messy situation. Onesimus had clearly wronged Philemon, ran off, tried to disappear, and by divine appointment ran into Paul. This was not chance or coincidence, and this left Paul with a wonderful opportunity to show what real Christian brotherhood looks like. So given the situation, what should Paul do? Does Paul give him asylum and wait for all of this to blow over? No. Does he command Philemon as an apostle of Jesus Christ to take him back or else? No, he doesn't do that either. Does he wash his hands of this whole situation? Not even close. Paul welcomes Onesimus, gives him the gospel which converts him, then sends him back home with a handwritten letter lovingly asking Philemon to welcome him not as a slave, but as a brother. For Christians, no matter the composition of the relationship, we are meant to be Christ-like. But what does that look like? Well scripture is clear that you cannot be Christ-like without forgiveness, in fact we are never more like God. Then when we forgive. Jesus spends an immense amount of time talking about this very issue in Luke chapter six, verses 35 through 36. He says, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high God because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Again in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, it says that Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Furthermore, many of Jesus' parables were over this fundamental issue, probably the most notable of which is that of the prodigal son. He spends so much time on this point Because Jesus' whole person is caught up in this defining characteristic. So in the process of forgiving our enemies, does that mean that we should allow ourselves to be walked all over and continually wronged? Absolutely not. But we can still forgive those who have sinned against us while praying and waiting for God to bring them to repentance and restore the relationship we once had with them. Paul writes this wonderful letter about the power and necessity of forgiveness without ever even mentioning the word forgiveness or mentioning the death and resurrection of Jesus. Instead, he allows the love of God to say it through his action and his example. We should be defined not by our empty words and promises, but instead, we should be known by the love that we have for one another. And you absolutely cannot have the love of God without forgiveness. The biblical view of forgiveness is overwhelmingly simple – forgive, always, period. Do everything you can to avoid the heart of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son or the heart of someone like Jonah, one who is looking and waiting for the other person to get their comeuppance and distraught when they don't receive it. A forgiving heart is not compatible with the heart that takes joy in someone, quote, getting what they deserve. There is no excuse for us as believers then to refuse to forgive, especially when met with true repentance. This doesn't mean sin should go without punishment or that every person you forgive is healthy to be around. No, this means that in your heart, you should forgive as you have been forgiven and love as you have been loved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the gift of forgiveness that we have received through your son. Help us to not hide this away in our heart. Help us to remember that if it wasn't for your grace, we would be in the same shoes as those who don't know you. Help us to have the passion for others that you have and help us to love and edify one another so that we can be a church worthy of your call. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King and our Savior. Amen. Thank you again for listening. And if you would like to see more of our content or learn more about us, please visit our website at sbbcpittsburgh.org. That's sbbcpittsburgh.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you.